Welcome to the Think Data podcast, brought to you in partnership with DataWorks. If you want to stay up to date with the latest breakthroughs and trends in the world of data and artificial intelligence, and if you're curious about some of the strategies that companies and founders use to launch data and AI products, then you're in the right place. Our aim is to bring together a diverse lineup of fantastic guests, from the founders through to accomplished leaders and product owners at some of the most fascinating data and AI companies worldwide. They will each offer you their own unique insight into what it takes to launch and scale a great data business. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the episode. This is episode 26 of the Think Data podcast in partnership with DataWorks. And today it's my pleasure to welcome Chris Brown to the show. Chris is a partner manager at NVIDIA, responsible for supporting startups by giving them access to NVIDIA's resources and full go-to-market support. For those that don't know, NVIDIA engineers the most advanced chips, systems, and software that powers artificial intelligence. Really appreciate you uh, coming on today. I know we uh, obviously met in the summer, had a really good chat about kind of all things AI and startups. And uh, I'm pretty sure everyone that's listening to this do know who NVIDIA <laughs> are. I'd be surprised if they uh, if they don't. But would you mind kind of bringing people up to speed with kind of who they are? And for, for many people that might not have seen them, what is really kind of behind their rapid growth over the last kind of five, 10 years? Sure. Um, no, thanks for, for having me. It's always fun to have these conversations because one of the things that I've uh, encountered the most being at NVIDIA, especially in the first you know year to two years, uh, is that a lot of folks had kind of not a great understanding of how NVIDIA works because it's always been a, a, an important piece, right? But it's really in the last year or so that we've seen this this massive, like, oh my God, I need to get NVIDIA chips. I need to be sort of um, tapped into to what they're doing and understanding more and all that. And so it's made my job a little bit easier uh, because yeah. it's no longer all about just like, hey, by the way, we do all these other things. Uh, so to your question, there's a couple of pieces, one of which is the um, kind of like, uh, how NVIDIA became successful in the way that it is now. And that's uh, mostly due to the fact that Jensen is a genius. Uh, <laughs> right? Jensen, our, <laughs> our, uh, our CEO, is is kind of brilliant. Uh, in And, you know, about a decade plus ago, 10, 12 years, he made a very conscious decision that said, we're going to effectively bet the future of the company on the idea that artificial intelligence is going to be the most important thing that happens for businesses and individuals um, the, you know, in the tech space since the internet itself. Um, you know, and all the retooling and, and designing new products and building of new software tools and all of that, that started long before anybody had any idea what, what ChatGPT was uh, and before ChatGPT was even a thing to, to discuss. So, you know, that is where the success started. And, and so it's this overnight thing that uh, that happened. It's, it's that old adage, right? You know, a overnight success, you know, decades in planning. And I, I think that's mm -hmm. really how you can look at, at where we're at now. Um, you know, he laid the groundwork and said, all right, we're going to build all these tools and all these supports for companies to utilize AI. Uh, we were a video game card company, right, who primarily you know, we're, we're powering graphics and things like that. And yep. it turns out that accelerated computing is 
the most critical element to be able to train and and serve you know um, machine learning models and so that's where it started and over time nvidia built up uh these really amazing moats in the form not of gpus which are obviously critical but also in CUDA as like a, an infrastructure layer. And, and uh, on top of that, you have uh, all these different tools that address a huge number of use cases. So you might be building uh, a tool that uses computer vision, right? Some kind of application for, for you know, perceiving the world around you. You might be needing something that's a recommender framework. You might be wanting to build a large language model yourself. You might be wanting to model physics or create digital twins. All of these things are tools that NVIDIA has created, and the vast majority of them we give away free. And it's that, it's that piece where people realize like, oh, I'm going to use this amazing computer vision engine and it's free and it's off the shelf and has these cool microservices attached to it uh and i don't have to build it myself and that'll save me three six months of development time and it works flawlessly with with nvidia gpus because it's built from the ground up to be optimized for that uh that's really where i believe the core moat and success came from is not just gpus but how do you make it so that people can utilize gpus more efficiently and access their their power uh more quickly and so that that i think is is the big explanation behind why it is that we were able to be so successful yeah it's really interesting you relate to the uh, the video gaming part of it because mm -hmm. i think you know i'm a closet or was a previous closet <laughs> gaming geek and i think as well i think it was recently there was a um, you did this amazing promotion around the interactive video games and NVIDIA. You know, I think a lot of people um, who aren't necessarily on the commercial side of artificial intelligence yeah. can recognize the NVIDIA brand. But are you saying, and obviously Jensen being a genius obviously will help, <laughs> but they, I th I'm assuming no one really knew how much this market was going to take off or, or was there obviously, because I know you do a huge amount of work around the research piece. I know we've talked yeah. about this offline where yeah. your growth strategy is very much like those research projects yeah. giving us stuff away for free. Was this kind of a calculated kind of punt or was this actually based on some real tangible research that we thought this this is going to be the next big play? I couldn't say whether or not they were like, oh, we're going to do a bunch of specific business research around this. Yeah. I think... In from what I've seen and, and conversations that I've I've been a part of internally, uh, you know, when Jensen talks to the company, he talks about these are billion trillion dollar markets, uh, and this was before generative AI, right? This is all these areas around digital simulation and, and things like that, where there's an opportunity to allow businesses to become wildly more efficient by transferring a lot of their physical operations into the digital realm and and cutting down on. Um, prototyping and R&D and, and being faster to market, all of the things that that enables. So I think that this is as much a matter of core belief uh, as combined with you know a deep understanding of what it is that uh, a lot of the NVIDIA customers need that has allowed you know Jensen and, and leadership to understand like, oh, this is this is you know the most important thing to happen in, in enterprise in, in a very, very long time. Yeah, no, no, I, I think it's uh, most complete sense. I'm really interested to actually talk about that growth strategy because I know you're leading obviously a number of those initiatives from a partnership standpoint. And 
and I was uh, I think my jaw hit the floor when you told me actually we, we give away a lot mo- everything yeah. for free you know it, you know and that's kind of so I'm yeah. really keen to understand that growth strategy and and I know you tackle this from ultimately kind of the the startup space yeah. but but how does Nvidia kind of what, what does that growth strategy look like and, and when it comes to building partnerships and actually engaging these customers you know how, what steps do you take it varies a lot by both horizontal and vertical so horizontal and technology side and vertical in the industry side we're going to have variation on go to market and growth strategy based on where somebody inside of nvidia lives uh nvidia operates and i think this is mostly to our advantage nvidia operates very very uh i don't like to use the word siloed because i think a lot of people have kind of negative connotations when they hear that but our business units are able to be very independent and to build a strategy that works for them i think it's the best way Mm -hmm. of putting it uh so our retail team will set strategic priorities based on feedback that they're getting from all of the large players that you can imagine from qsr to warehousing logistics and and everything in between uh and they they have a vision of like all right we're going to be able to do this and this is sort of the folks that we're going to start with this is the type of technology that we need and we want folks who are really enterprise ready and and our energy team is going to work a little bit differently and look for different things uh you know and our media team is going to going to work really differently and look for different things because the customers that they're talking to have a different way of thinking about go to market so it's really varied uh and i know Mm -hmm. that's a like vague non-answer answer but but it is really varied uh the the way to think about it is every group will try to adjust very much to the market that they're operating in uh and will build go to market in that way from a startup perspective we're uh, you know the the way that i always frame it is we're the navigator for outsiders to understand what's going on inside of nvidia and so when a startup comes into nvidia there's a little bit of eval of where are they? What are they building? Are they enterprise ready? Are they able to have a solution that utilizes different tools and technologies? And, and you know, oftentimes startups will kind of be like, oh, we're using a, a bunch of GPUs. I'm like, yeah, what about SDKs and, and you know, training frameworks and pre-trained models and things like that? Because our thought process is always centered around if they're using in, in production or in training uh, tools from NVIDIA, uh, on the software side, then that creates that much more of a potential for for engagement and uh, and a value for NVIDIA because all those tools have to run on GPUs because they all require accelerated computing. So therefore, we want to be able to elevate and amplify all of those companies that are using both the hardware side as well as the software side and and more opportunities are going to open up because we know all right if you go in and you sell to disney or walmart or or jp morgan or whoever uh if you're using everything up and down the stack then we're going to see that much more success on the nvidia side of things Mm -hmm. with those customers um so that's that's sort of how we try and evaluate and support startups in that process is they might come into inception we'll look at where are they living from a, an industry perspective and technology perspective and then we'll sync up with the industry teams to be like hey these folks just came in they're doing this it's really interesting uh is there any pathways that we can see where there's a, a go-to-market potential here 
And that's usually how that ends up. And that might be marketing support, or it might be customer introductions, or it might be, hey, come speak on stage at GTC, like any of those things mm-hmm. to help amplify their messaging and, and get their sort of exposure pushed up higher. It's really interesting, is it? Because obviously, as you alluded to the top of this, is now you've got that kind of position in the market people know you yeah you know you have those case studies you have those kind of relevant touch points which yeah. you can drop into these conversations do you feel obviously as well documents nvidia are you know the, the major player in this yeah. space and what i'm really interested to understand is was there or has there been a moment over the last kind of 12 or 18 months which kind of really laid the groundwork for what was next? In other words, you know, in terms of whether it be a technology release, product launch, is there anything that kind of stands out for you, which you think back to and think that was that was a moment in time for us? I remember there was a um, little bit of an inflection point. So I'd been working with the the M and E or media and entertainment team in like January of uh, twenty two. Uh, and then like December 21, things like that. And we and had started to have some conversations with uh, with mid-journey and stability. And that was the point where I was like, oh, oh, and then, then there was a, another really uh, interesting one, Wonder Dynamics, which, you know, uh, they do great stuff as well. And you're seeing these things like for me, those were some of the tipping points of like, oh, there's something really compelling going on here organizationally uh i think it was probably another five to six months or so uh where we had started to see like oh there's a whole bunch of folks who it seemed like there was this collective unconscious or conscious thing where a (laughs) lot of people were had been working on research and and hacking away at these certain generative problems for quite some time uh, and it really just kind of came out when first Midjourney and then Stability, or I don't remember who officially came first, right? But Midjourney and Stability both came out there, and then everyone else is like, "Okay, we're we're our stuff is 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 here too." And you have all these other sort of um, maybe lesser known but still really interesting generative tools coming out that that woke everybody up. Um, we had different pieces of the company who on the research side and some of the industry side who were like, Oh, this is really important and compelling. But, uh, it was, I think a lot of it was mid journey originally where, you know, we had gotten some information about the number of simultaneous GPUs that they were using to serve out their, uh, their images just for their discord channel. And that, that I think was the, Oh, Oh, there's something going on here moments yeah. um, when we had those conversations and it was like, we need to figure out more comprehensive ways to, to support companies building this type of tech. Uh, and that's when it, it really exploded. And then we started basically focusing on, hey, what's a, uh, how do we put together like a focus on generative companies and, and what's the support that we can give? Yeah, I suppose when you start to see it laid out in front of you, you, you probably realize, hey, the, the task ahead of you, but equally the opportunity. It's, yeah. uh, and I suppose that's a nice kind of segue into that Gen AI space because in term, I think I think last count, there was 350 Gen AI companies received funding in the first six months of this year in the US. And these are startups, you know, which which doesn't seem a huge amount, but if you look at generally what their product is and their brand and how they position yeah. themselves, it's quite hard to distinguish yeah. 
ultimately what they do. So how do you kind of sum up and describe the current state of that space? So it's really interesting. I mean, the question of the it's question of rappers, right? And um, and this is where a lot of conversations with VCs have have really led to is what is the differentiation between any of them? Like, you know, I've talked with VCs who are like, I there's you know we're staying away from it. We're not really sure how to how to make selections here. Uh, The questions of like infrastructure and okay who can compete on a foundation model level um what's the value of putting money into one of those if it's really hard to know like okay well if anybody who just gets access to enough compute right can essentially yeah, yeah. build a you know and obviously they have to have significant expertise um but you know it, it really comes down to compute if you tell any like you know, high-powered researcher, hey, guess what? I've got a super amazing cluster of GPUs that you can use to build a foundation model. You can probably get them to, to work yeah, with you. Yeah, off you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the the more interesting question to me is going to be, is less about that, which is just like purely a horsepower question, which comes down to money uh, and mm-hmm. who has the money for that and, and, and then how efficient they're able to make that stuff. But the much more compelling thing for me is going to be all the rappers, right? All of the, oh, we're your chat GPT for XYZ. Uh, there's <laughs> a billion of those. And and we've seen them in every industry, customer service, in, in uh, retail, um, you know, in like HR type of, of applications and creative applications. All of those are going to continue to come out because it's it is so interesting and compelling and and i think speaks to this very important idea that we or at least i have always had around technology and why it is that we do startup things which is how do i make it so that i'm no longer babysitting computers right Mm, and that's what i think a lot of tools and services have have been over the last generations of technology Mm -hmm. it's like all right this is a thing that i need to tell the computer what to do and it makes some parts of the execution faster or in many cases it just means that i'm doing i'm not saving any time i'm just doing more of the thing that i was doing because it allows me to do that and i'm still spending x hours on scheduling i'm just making my schedule that much more full um and generative ai i believe is the the starting point for making it so that I don't have to take care of my computer. I don't have to constantly be, uh, as I said, babysitting it, uh, but instead it has the ability to understand what needs to happen potentially before I even ask it. And that's the incredibly compelling point for me that I'm excited about. And if that's a wrapper on top of, you know, some combination of language models, I do not care, right? The, The compelling part is going to be, what is the wrapper that is beautiful and intuitive and flows that just yeah. you, you you use it and you're like, cool, this is the pure simplicity that I've always wanted out of my search, out of my email, out of my scheduling. And, and it just makes everything easier out of my writing. Um, that's where if somebody builds a an incredible rapper like i think vcs and everybody in the startup community should be looking at how do we make this experience extraordinarily simple and right now most of them have been bad 
because most of them are built by like heavy engineers uh who mm-hmm. i do not look at for refined natural That's human perfect. interfaces yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? and, and and i think the company that that wakes up and is like i'm going to build the most of it like you know typeface is a good example of, of people who understand ui ux mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know and have the ability to to build things around that obviously they all have incredible backgrounds um so that's where and wonder dynamics that i mentioned before uh that's where like those companies that understand that power are going to be are going to be uh the winners that we look at, even if the technology might not be the most novel, it might not be the next chat GPT. It's not going to matter because it's the thing where people sit down and are like, this is incredible. And this, this changes every element of my, my other workflow or personal life or, or whatever that tool is targeted at. Yeah. I, I like your summary there. And I, uh, the amount of conversations I've had all bit on here on the podcast, or just generally in, in passing with people with an AI product is, yeah there it's all about driving efficiencies at every level and if people interact and engage with that tool and the interface layer or as you said the wrapper and actually it's it delivers seamless results Mm -hmm. it it encourages you to come back it's not overly clunky to use you're not prompt engineering every search string it's then people ultimately will you know the value increases and i i completely see your point from a vc standpoint because there's obviously been some huge money invested and spent so far but everyone's trying to still work out i don't know if you relate to this is at what point of the journey are we on are we at this kind of about to it's about to go crazy or this kind of plateauing and then you think the markets can change what would you say would you say we're kind of people are taking stock and then there's going to be probably a bit of an adjustment and then they're going to go and that'll be it rational people should always be taking stock (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so uh, people that i respect versus like hype cycle lovers uh i think those are different animals um but we should always be taking stock all the time of like even nuanced changes that are happening in in the space uh there's lots of people who are gonna be like oh my god this is the most important thing to happen since the wheel and and the internet and and housing um but those people are ridiculous uh we should look at every piece of technology that comes out and be like how impactful and how i'm a just in in the same way that I, I look at investments, I'm very much a fan not of wow, the, like where are we right now, but I'm a fan no. of understanding evolutionary pathways and and being able to say, all right, if you know crypto, which is a um, horrible, terrible thing um, that was populated by by grifters, charlatans, and and you know agreed, um, yeah. and has no business like being hyped. It took, thir- what was it, What 2010 was the paper? 13 years and we don't have a meaningful use case. And, and yet in, in generative AI, it has been in the first month, anybody who wanted to like procure interesting visuals and art had a use case. In the uh, first six to, to 12 months, you know, people who wanted to um, uh, be able to, to build content from a, a in a super accelerated way had a use case you know now we're going into even heavier business use case customer service is going to be one of the first most compelling like tools that that we're seeing there we've already seen amazing stuff on that the replication of of voices and and language is going to allow i have seen 
mind-blowing voice replication uh, coming out of uh, uh, multiple players mm-hmm. uh, where if I finally had the ability to call up my bank and not have to be like, customer service, customer service, <laughs> God damn it, <laughs> right? You know, if, if we had the ability to instantly get past that and I could talk to it like this oh, and it would be like, okay, that. yeah, cool. Like I, I get what you're trying to ask. And it truly understood. Like that already changes millions of people's lives on a daily basis, right? Because yeah. I, I am, uh, weirdly, I work for an ultra high tech company, but I, I, you know, part, tiny, tiny part of me has those like Luddite leanings where I'm like, I despise how poorly technology is implemented in so many different scenarios. Yeah. I want it to flow. And we're already seeing in a year of these technologies, more use cases than we have seen for a whole swath of technologies over the last two decades. And that to me, like I said, I look at, at not point to time, but evolution. So at this point in time, like, okay, a bunch of stuff happened. Uh, some of it was amazing. Some of it was just like, whatever, like, you know, ugly, boring, useless wrapper on top of GPT doesn't matter. But now we're already going to be moving into multimodal, right? When, when, uh, video and, and, um, voice generation becomes super seamless. I mean, there was a demo that we did right for the, I think you referenced the start of video games. Do you know that was actually my voice? What was it? <laughs> no, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, uh, the the voice training team, like, yeah, I, I happened to know one of them and they knew me and they're like, oh, we got to do this really quick to get a voice actor would take a long time. Wait, I know somebody inside that has an okay voice for, for these types <laughs> of things. And so the, the dude behind the counter of the ramen shop is me. Yeah, and that's just like some dude, right? And imagine you... You have the ability to train your own models and God, in video games, it's going to be beautiful. Like Starfield, which I really loved so much potential. If you use like generative creation for worlds, for characters, for, um, for items, like all of that. And, you know, that's super low hanging fruit because video game companies are basically technology experimentation companies in many ways. We cut down on the cost of making AAA games, bring that down to maybe like, you know, indie or just above indie level creators, yep. my God, the entire industry could be upended because instead of having to spend $400 million building, building GTA five, what if I could do that on 10 or 20 because the characters and, and all that we can create so much more quickly. And I think that it's a, it, it's one of the things people should look at is this is a potential amplifier not a replacer, but an amplifier yeah. of all of the people where it's like, oh, well, what if my voice as a voice actor could be in 50 productions as opposed to one in the same period of time? Yeah. That's that's the power. And and we need to, I think, from a um, an advocacy, advocacy for creators perspective, the only pitfall here really is C-suite level people in, in media companies being like, hey, we simply just want to cut costs to the to the bone we're not really interested in how do we create more and and build more opportunities and we can do more impressive things with the the same inputs uh they're interested in i you know as we saw with the the writer strike and the actor strikes mm-hmm. um how do we make it so that all these tools can serve every part of the industry right and and that would be a an extraordinary thing because there is 
massive amounts of opportunity, right, from a business perspective, if they approach and and that opportunity can be realized up and down the line. Uh, which is why whenever people talk about creators, I'm like, no, this is an incredible opportunity for everybody. You know, it's a matter of leadership, uh, which is why we've been so like wanting to support creators. Yeah, it's such a fascinating point in this uh, in this journey. I've been in staffing what twenty years, and I was referencing this uh, about three months ago. I've never seen an acceleration yeah. of a technology and um in the subsequent sectors that this yeah. is going to impact for the oh, yeah. better than ai and i think there is obviously those people the doom and gloom mongers yeah. out there the world's going to end but equally displacements happened over generations but yes. equally pivoting to new sectors new opportunities and the content and, creation bits and, really- and really 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 importantly on that front and i think this is critical in the same way that a hundred years ago you could go into a mine in in wherever in west virginia and be like cool look at these 12 year olds like mining coal that is (laughs) unacceptable right and we should look at that like civilizationally and be like oh this is we should not have children working in factories we should not have we should not have people flipping burgers and slinging fries that is not a pathway to opportunity for the vast vast majority of humanity and to mm. lock, to lock an entire demographic of of people or socioeconomic, I guess, layer of people uh, into um, essentially like the manual labor uh, or or sort of low end service labor, uh, the power of of AI to take to take those opportunities and be like, cool, there's better things that we could be doing as human beings, better things that we should be doing as human beings. Mm. Uh, I think that's super, super important. And and one of the things that we don't talk enough about is we talk about like, oh, it's going to take my job. It's like, if your job is, is I don't know, going into a, um, a sewer and um, yeah, cleaning out a, a like a, a sewer pipe, like, yes, robots and AI should take your job because that's not how any person should live. Right. If yeah. you look at, at jobs that are wildly dangerous or um, like I said, they, they have no pathways for individual growth or opportunity. Those are things that we should turn over to machines because quite simply, that's not why we're here. Right. Yeah. We, we're here to do more as people. I like your view on that. I think it's refreshing. I think um, and it, obviously you're coming from the point of an organization that is really pioneering this kind of space. And it's completely right. I think people uh the train's left the station, hasn't it? It's, you know, this is not slowing it down. Innovation and the kind of use cases and problems it's going to solve are going to far outweigh the people or sectors that it displaces. So I, no, I'm fully on board and it's exciting. And I, I think it's probably a good way to kind of round off with, with, with the final point is as much as you can, you know, what, what does the future hold for NVIDIA? I know obviously there's probably things in the pipeline you can't talk about, but what's kind of what what can people look forward to seeing from you guys and obviously that wider gen ai space um <laughs> i mean it's it, yeah that's uh, uh all the the research going on uh i don't necessarily have views into the different research teams and and what they're looking at um you know i i think some of the stuff that you've seen around like there's Neuralangelo and and um you know tools like that where they were 
you know, images or video to like 3D models that could then be used mm. in scenes. Uh, I think that's a really um, powerful potential use case in industry to be able to model real world spaces and, and understand how you're going to build and create in those real world spaces. Uh, everything that you're seeing, like, you know, I, I mentioned the... Um, uh, the thing that I was part of with the voice where for, mm -hmm. for games uh, that tool is something that we're also, you know, uh, trying to, to get in front of um, like service industries to be mm -hmm. like, Hey, like when you, you know, right now you go to McDonald's, you've got a kiosk, like there's no reason that, that you shouldn't be able to also get recommendations and an understanding of, Hey, what have you ordered before? And, you know, you've got avatars there that have the ability to do that. Uh, this is all stuff that we've talked about publicly, so yeah. you know, it's it's not like a big secret. Uh, as more research goes into those pieces, I think that um, you're going to see some initial applications of that, and then it's just going to be a wave. I don't know which industry is going to be the one to to have ride that wave first, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's manufacturing, whether it's services, whether it's you know M and E or gaming, um, all of them have those opportunities um you know I, I you look at something like netflix they already use recommender systems yeah right? um some of ours to to drive their recommendations like why not have like, you know why why would any be be sort of hesitant now right and and i think that um the yeah the the sort of conflict that, that we're seeing there is representative of the fact that there is an openness and a willingness there to explore those new technologies. And maybe, maybe that's where we end up seeing. So I think there's a lot of different potential avenues. The question will just be what industry really commits and it will probably be a big player that is like, all right, we're going to shift this entire segment of our operations at, or in, in some way over to, to using, um, AI for X. And then if they find success in that, if they save money, if they create efficiency, if customers love it, then there's going to be other segments of their business that they shift that over to. The robotic stuff is going to be longer term because that's just a yep. straight up difficult problem. Because uh, mm, anytime yeah. you, you, you take things out of the digital and put it into physical, like it, it becomes harder. But once we see tipping points there, uh, and I think robotics are going to be supported by a lot of these generative tools. And we started to see that, for example, there was that uh, thing that came out a couple of weeks ago where um, the training and, and actual operations of uh, vehicles driven by uh, driven by like text interfaces uh, was as or more effective than like visual and, and other sort of perception system uh, wow. tools. So like those are the things where like, oh, there's new research coming out in all these different areas. This could end up being you know, the, the game changer that we weren't even prepared for. Uh, and I think that's, we're probably going to be surprised by the first like industry tipping use case. Uh, but that's how I expect it to evolve. Uh, though I'm certainly not a fortune teller and I guarantee that I'll be surprised by it. Yeah. And I think it's a really nice way to end. I think the aura, and that's kind of why it makes me feel we are still on that kind of plateauing waiting point yeah. because as soon as someone does something that shows success value benefits and all of a sudden yeah. everyone else typically follows suit yeah. but it's going to take one of those plays and you're right it may be something we weren't expecting equally yeah. maybe something that, oh okay i saw this coming but uh <laughs> chris you've been yeah. uh yeah hugely insightful obviously massively knowledgeable and i know this will be a, a, a hugely popular episode so thanks so much for uh 
your time this afternoon for talking to us. It's been uh, been lots of fun. Absolutely, thanks for having me. This was uh, so. These conversations are always really interesting because because we are in a mode of discovery, uh, and and it's beautiful to be in a in a time period where if you think back to the first evolution of the internet as we know it everything happened so much more quickly than we realized right. like in, in the moment it might not have seemed that fast I, I was a kid but uh but now being in the middle of it and and we're all like you know adults and and working in the industry in one way or another uh it's a an incredible thing to know that we're all part of in one way or another this change as it's happening and the world in in the startup space and in, in Techland that we see now is going to be so different in just a few years, and that's an amazing thing because it's it's opportunity for people, and that is always I think what we should be striving for. Absolutely, no, I think you've uh, you summarised that perfectly. Thanks again, Chris. It's been uh, been great. Have a great day. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, hopefully we'll be able to do this again sometime. Good man. Thank you. All right.